What's going on guys, you're listening to Blue July And this is season 3 of the Beast of One Podcast by Chris Ortiz Crazy, I think I'm going crazy 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 Welcome everyone to the Be Someone Podcast. This is your host, the coach Chris Ortiz, and today we sit and chat with Chuck Amos from Lean 7 Fitness. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Lean 7 Fitness. Chuck is a very special gentleman. From an early age, he had this entrepreneurial and this engineering type mindset. He liked to solve problems. He was able to look into the future and tell what solutions could be brought to the forefront to help the present time. Now at the moment, with his Lean 7 Fitness machine and app, he has created a way to take someone's athleticism across any and all sports and then put a new merit to it, hoping and helping young people get scholarships, but also helping collegiate and professional coaches look for the talent that may be hidden, not in plain sight. Now, I had a blast talking with Chuck. Uh, He is someone that's got this foresight, and I do believe that he has something special right here. He's got a couple of patents. He's looking for investors, and his company has been evaluated at a very high number. So if you could, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Be Someone Podcast with your host, the coach Chris Ortiz, and Chuck Amos from Lean 7 Fitness Draft Day Technologies. Y'all take care, have a blessed day, and go out and be that someone. Hey, welcome everyone. We'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsors, starting off with the Molina team, serving the Spring and Woodlands area. For all your real estate needs, both residential and commercial, you can contact Manuel at themolinateam.com or 281-507-6923. You can also find them at The Molina Team on Facebook. The Woodlands Yoga Studio, offering 77 classes a week and 21 different types of yoga, including heated and non-heated classes. So there is truly something for everyone helping you find flexibility, strength, and peace of mind. You can contact Brandy at 936-271-1485, the website, thewoodlandsyogastudio.com, and then on Facebook and IG, The Woodlands Yoga Studio. And last but not least, Space City Collective. You can buy, sell, and trade vintage designer shoes, clothing, and other collectibles. Christian and Giovanni Guzman see shoes as a form of art, culture, and a way of life. Come check them out at their storefront, or you can find the website spacecitycollectiveshop.com and on Facebook and Instagram at space underscore city collective. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, ladies, for sponsoring the show. And y'all go out and be that someone. Lean 
Seven Fitness, Lean Seven, woo! Lean Seven Fitness, Drafting Technology, Lean Seven Fitness, Running on the treadmills, a thing of the past. Lean Seven Fitness got me feeling like the Flash, got me ready for the combine, 40 yard dash. Pro scouts looking like Coach, who is that? With Lean Seven Fitness, they can pull up my stats. They know that I'm the truth because the proof is where it's at. Got my burp game looking like a rocket launched off in a few years. I'll be at the Rockets tip ball. Thanks to Lean 7 Fit, I'm a beast now. Got so much strength, homeboy, I can lend out. Come get some. <laughs> Put you at a level you ain't never seen. Ever been eye level with the Rim King? Look, exercise ain't never been this motivating. But when you see a change, that's when you get motivated. Lean 7 Fitness got your bar dedicated. And with this draft, they technology, I'm here to make it lead. And loud is my wish. They asking how you gon' do it. Seven fitness, lean seven, whoo, lean seven fitness, draft day technology, lean seven fitness. I'm headed to the lead, and loud is my wish. They asking how you gon' do it with lean seven fitness, lean seven, whoo, lean seven fitness, draft day technology, lean seven fitness. Hey, welcome everyone to the Be Someone podcast. This is your host, the coach Chris Ortiz. And today we were lucky enough to sit and chop it up with Chuck Amos at Lean 7 Fitness. How are you doing, Chuck? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing well. How about yourself, Chris? Incredibly blessed. Uh, played some uh, basketball this morning uh, with, the, with the guys and uh, powered up, shined up. And now I'm ready to, to talk to this gentleman that's got the next big thing in uh, athletics and numerics okay. and analytics, all of the above. So how, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I can see you got all the experience in the background. And I, I can tell you got amazing stories from looking at the pictures. And my stories are very similar because I built all of my technology from the experience from my past and dealing with athletes and me being an athlete myself, my goal was to make it easier for others to get scholarships to go to college. Well, let's let's dive into the past. Tell me a little bit about Chuck, you know, growing up, where you're from. Tell me about your parents. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm from a little small town right outside of Houston, Texas, uh, 70 miles southwest of Houston called Eagle Lake, Texas. Mm. It's the goose hunting capital of America, believe it or not. And uh, I have a lot of pride coming from that area, part of town, because it taught me a lot, especially in terms of uh, strength and conditioning and with coaches uh, and how to communicate and and how to reach goals, that type of thing. And uh, just a lot of different experiences came through that avenue that uh, uh, propelled me into the future, and which is where I am now and getting ready to give you a, a brief synopsis about what Lean 7 Fitness is and how it can help your, your children and all children all over the world in sports analytics, and which is a very, very big uh, process in recruiting right now. And we're trying to cut to the chase and get to the, the, 
to get to the scholarship space faster than anybody else. And we use subscription apps by doing that. Anytime we can expedite the process and then we can uh, make it a little bit more simple by making it analytical and making it, you know, objective, black and white, like that's mm -hmm. a um, before we get into that, though, I want to know like about you as an athlete, because uh, me and you were chopping it up on the phone a little less than a week ago, and you were telling me some cool stories, man, Michael Strahan, and I didn't drop any more, man, but tell me, uh, coming up, you know, what, what did you play? What was your love? Oh, my love has always been football, and I played baseball. I played basketball, you know, uh, from Eagle Lake, Texas, you know, we moved from, my mom and dad got got divorced when uh, I was probably about seven or eight. And uh, I played football in Pop Warner here in uh, Dallas, Texas uh, at for the South Oak Cliff Steelers. Mm. And I don't know if anybody's broke our record, but we were undefeated for three years straight. I don't even know if you, anybody ever heard anything like that. But one of the guys that was on my team won the Super Bowl with uh, Joe Montana. You ever heard of Michael Carter? Yeah, uh, I think you were telling me a uh, wide receiver or no, defensive No, he, he was a defensive lineman. I think he played defensive end. And uh, I played cornerback and we were on the same side. And, and bro, we had, it was some amazing experience. I seen the guy do some stuff that was amazing as a defensive lineman. And uh, when you're around people like that, you kind of, you start breathing that kind of atmosphere. And next thing you know, the momentum, the momentum takes off and uh, all the whole team is playing with the same attitude. And so uh, as a cornerback at that time, uh, it was pretty amazing because my goal was to keep everything on the inside for playing cornerback. And it was kind of like a, hybrid position. I played cornerback, but I played like a linebacker. Mm. I loved hitting people. I could cover you. I, I can cover all day long, but I got more uh, drive from hitting people. I liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's fast forward because you played a little college ball as well. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, when I got to the uh, sixth grade, uh, that's when we moved back to my hometown. And when we got to our hometown, uh, I noticed real quickly that they didn't have community centers. And because they didn't have community centers, you know, we played, we, being from Oak Cliff, we, uh, we played sports every day. Uh, we'd, every, somebody would have a basketball, so we'd find a goal. If we didn't have a goal in Big D apartments, uh, we would shoot through the rails upstairs, uh, and whoever made it through the, uh, the broken rail, <laughs> uh, of, of upstairs, that would be two points. And so that was our basketball goal. We, we just, throughout my life, we've always circumvented some kind of way to have fun and continue to work out. And so one day, uh, a coach came, knocked on our door. And it was right before the summer started. And he said that he was a coach. And, and he heard that we had that my mom had boys over there. He said, if anybody's gonna play some football, you need to go knock on their door. And that's what the guy said at the door. And we ran in the front room and said, yeah, we wanna play football. And so we got to playing there and and it the, the drive and the love for it just 
it enhanced. We didn't have what they have today, like videos and, and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, PlayStations and all that stuff. So we had, when we saw athletes play, we just had to go out there and do it ourselves. And that's pretty much how it happened. So when we got to my hometown, uh, we lost two games from the seventh grade to the eighth grade. And I led in tackles every year. And that was my that was my forte. Hey, if anybody gonna do it, Coach Chuck gonna do it. But back then they called me Chuck. So, and so uh, my coach that coached me my seventh and eighth grade year, coached Earl Campbell, the Tyler Rose, his seventh and eighth grade year. And so we we were graduating from the eighth grade, going to uh, high school. And he announced that Earl Campbell was coming to our school for our sports banquet. And, uh, and it was just so hard for me to believe. Uh, I told my coach, I said, coach, he said, what, what's, what's up, Amos? He said, uh, I told him, I said, why are you lying to these kids? <laughs> hey, there's no way that Earl Campbell's coming to Eagle Lake, Texas. We ain't no different from two below Mississippi. <laughs> And so only reason Earl would come here because it would be somebody that's from his family and I don't see anybody's last name, Campbell. I said, if Earl Campbell came to Eagle Lake, Texas, I'd lick everybody's cliques. <laughs> and lo and behold, he showed up. And uh, there was two questions that I asked Earl in that, uh, at that sports banquet that changed my life forever. And those two questions that changed my life, I know it's gonna change anybody else's life if they buy into it. And number one, I asked Earl, uh, what did he do to uh, be so successful and how did he do it? And he said, that's a great question. He said, since you're the only person that asked me, I'm gonna tell you in your ear. And when he told me in my ear it was almost like downloading a file and it never left. But it was one thing in particular that he told me before uh, he made the statements of the two different things. He said, hey, Chuck, you going to high school next year? I said, yes, sir. He said, he said, I gotta tell you one more thing. I said, what's that? He said, if you don't make varsity, you're wasting your time. And so uh, I said, Earl, you haven't seen the guys that I gotta go against. He said, it don't matter. They put, you, they put their pants on the same way you do, one leg at a time. And, uh, and that's exactly where I took it after that. It didn't matter if the guys were seven foot. It didn't matter if the guys were 6'11". And I'm, I'm barely six foot. But lo and behold, here's what he told me. He said, uh, my wife just came in and kind of threw me off a little bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said that, uh, he said, you're from a little small, this town, right? I said, correct. He said, well, here's what I did. And it, it, what I would work for me would definitely work for you too. He said, you have to take the sport on like it's your job. I said, okay, I'm listening. He said, Monday through Friday, you got to clock in. And clocking in is, is running a distance outside of your city as far as you can run. And the clock out 
you got to run back the distance, the same distance that you ran from where you're going. And I said, I have the perfect place. And it was a little uh, roadside park outside of my city. <coughs> and uh, so Monday through Friday, through the whole summer, Monday through Friday, I would run five miles out and five miles back. And the whole time, all I would hear in my ear said, if you don't make varsity, you're wasting your time. And so he said, when you come back from jogging, all of your friends are going to uh, see you coming back. And you're going to notice that they're going to start jogging just like you. He said, but the difference between you and them, they don't know how far you jog. And uh, so uh, he said, when they go out jogging, you go in the house and get your bite to eat. And you go to the uh, weight room and start hitting that iron. And nobody's going to know you in there. And they won't see you coming back because they're going to be too tired. They'll be out sleep because they've been out jogging. And so I did that for a whole summer and uh, came in for my freshman year. And I was expecting big things because I did everything that Earl said. And so uh, we got on the bus and our school is like 14 miles away from the school. So the bus would come pick us up and uh, we got off the bus and this was my introduction to high school sports. And they said, everybody off the bus over here on the track, we didn't get a chance to breathe or anything. And he said, the first thing, if any of you freshmen got a high idea about making varsity, you, kept, you have to be able to run a mile under six minutes. And he said, called out for his all his skill position, running backs, linebackers, uh, wide receivers, and everybody got on the track and he just shot the gun. Pow! That's how I went. And I jumped out in front first and I could hear all of those upperclassmen saying, hey, uh, who's that guy think he is? Is that a freshman? Yeah, that's exactly where it went down. And when they said that, I sped up and just left everybody. And was no anxiety, was no, uh, I didn't get tired at all. Next thing you know, I started lapping. And I came down to the last lap and all the coaches were jumping in the air saying, go Chuck. And I speeded up even more and ran across the line. And they said, wow, you're Amos, right? I said, yeah, I'm Amos. He said, uh, you almost broke out my record. I said, I did? She, he said, yeah. I said, I said, don't get any wild ideas, coach. I'm just trying to make varsity. And uh, I said, well, what's the uh, mile record? He said, it's four minutes and 18 seconds. I said, what did I run? He said, you ran four minutes and 33 seconds. I said, wow, if I knew it, I'd have broke it because I wasn't even tired. I was just running. Yeah, you Cadillac him. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I, straight what it was. I had my emblem up and I had the, the wind behind my ears and you couldn't stop me, bro. And so uh, <clears throat> he said, well, good job, Amos, good job. He said, next week we're going to start on pads and they'll let us know everything we need to know. I said, all I want to do is make varsity coach. And uh, all the varsity guys looking at me crazy because they don't like freshmen pushing their buttons, right? But that's exactly what happened because none of them were, even ran in the fours. Yeah, they ran in the high fives. And so uh, we came down the next week and everybody got off the bus the next week and now we're in the pads. And it was these two brothers in particular called the Blunston brothers. One was seven foot and one was 6'11". And then another guy was 6'7 and the other guy was 6'5". 
that was James Rhodes and Calvin Foster. And, uh, and the, the two defensive ends were brothers. And so the younger brother was the mean one, which is called Kenneth Blunston, right? And so coach said, okay, the first day of pads. And he put his hands up on top of the, the two brothers. And he said, who wants to go against Kenneth Blunson, the youngest one? He's the mean one, right? And I, and I looked around and I looked at all the other varsity guys. They looked like they were afraid to go against it, right? I said, I'll take him, coach. Hey, when I said it, it was guys all around me and they parted like the Red Sea because <laughs> they didn't want to be identified as the one to say, I want to go against Kenneth Blunston. I said, no, I'll take him on, Coach. Uh, he said, Amos, right? I said, I said, yes, sir. He said, and you want to take on Blunson? I said, well, he puts on his pants the same way I do, right? <laughs> and he started laughing. He said, yes, he does. I said, well, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to compete with him. And he said, you know what bull in the ring is? I said, coach, I invented bull in the ring. And everybody started laughing, right? He said, well, all you do is lay on your back and ram heads. I said, I'm pretty familiar with it. He said, all right, you guys lay down. And we laid down and uh, we got up and we hit just like that. But this guy, he came up with an uppercut and hit me in the stomach and knocked all the wind out of it. That was my introduction to varsity football. And I said, coach, blow your whistle. Blow your whistle, coach. The coach wouldn't blow the whistle. And the guy, and I, I was trying to catch my breath, but he was still attacking me, right? And then he finally blew the whistle. And I said, coach, I don't know if you noticed, but he threw an uppercut and hit me in my stomach. That's not how you play football. And he said, yeah. I said, coach, that's not the way you play football. He said, yeah, I know. I said, coach, we can hit. He said, yeah. I said, well, blow your freaking whistle. And one thing, there's two data points that I knew going in as a freshman. Number one, if your cardio is the strongest, you're going to get the last lick. Number two, if your strength is where it needs to be, you're going to be stronger than the average guy that's out there. And I know for a fact, nobody did what I did during that whole summer. And I was prepared, not just physically, but mentally to do it because I've already had the experiences to be a winner. And once you get that belt, can't nobody take it away unless you give it away. And I still got my belt coach. <laughs> well, Hey, uh, something that's uh, very interesting about you. Like uh, I've noticed like when you were talking about basketball and like creating a, a who exactly who runs, uh, you talked about Earl Campbell talking to you. Uh-huh. Kind of um, relating it to like a computer that's downloading information. Yeah, Were you always this hyper aware and analytical, like even at a young age, because this is and, a and wasn't even conscious about it until I thought about it later. Yeah. Here's another story. So when the the summer came that 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 year after we finished our my freshman year of football, so I took this class called FFA, mm. Future Formers of America. I had no idea about. It. But when, uh, when uh, the coach, uh, everybody's a coach to me for some reason, but when the teachers from FFA said, hey, we're gonna uh, have a welding class. I said, what? I get the weld? I said, I said, yeah, 
He she said, you, I've never seen a weld unless it was on TV. You trying to tell me I get a chance to do that? And he said, yeah. And so uh, we went in and we went in the welding class and I, and I loved it just like I did football because it was something creative. Mm. It was something that you could control, not just mentally, but physically, right? And so uh, I was like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And so I made different things. I can't, one thing in particular, uh, my sophomore year coming back in, I was more creative, right? And I knew we didn't have uh, basketball courts or in uh, my hometown. And so we moved into this part of town called Matagarda in uh, Eagle Lake, Texas, right? And, uh, we, and the first thing we built my freshman year is we built pigeon coops. And so we got pigeons. We had hundreds of birds, bro. And uh, while me and my brother was sitting in the pigeon coops, I got two younger brothers. We were sitting there and just dialoguing and talking, not just to ourselves, but to the pigeons as well. And while we were sitting in the pigeon coop, the ne next the, the neighbors behind us, a girl came outside. She was a pretty girl too, right? And I told my brother, I said, and he's younger than me. He was in the he was in the seventh, going to the eighth grade at the time. No, he was going to the ninth, but he was real young. And I said, "Hey," and I was messing with my brother, and he didn't like girls yet, right? I said, "James, that's gonna be your girlfriend." And he started crying. That ain't my girlfriend. I don't even like girls. I just tell you how young it is. And every Thanksgiving, uh, when we go visit with my brother in Houston. I would mess with him because guess what? He'd been married to that girl for over 30 years, bro. I'm not <laughs> joking. They got married. Just The one that I said that's going to be his girlfriend, he actually married. Can you believe that? Small world, man. Small. It's very small world. But she was a cheerleader on varsity when he was a freshman. So, But they didn't start talking until longer after that. But... What happened that year while we were sitting in the pigeon coop, I'm looking in our backyard and I saw more than just the backyard. I nudged my brother and said, you know what I see back here? He said, what's that? I see a basketball court. He said, what? He said, look at all these trees. Look at all this grass. I say, yeah, it's trees and grass now. But when we finish, it's going to be a basketball court. And I said, guess what? He said, what's that? I said, when you go to, you going to high school next year, you're going to be a freshman and you could join FFA just like me. He said, okay, and? I said, well, I want to build a basketball goal. Your project could be a basketball goal and my project could be a basketball goal. And we'll bring those goals in the backyard and we'll cut the trees back and the sun would still be blocked out because we just cut the trees back where the shade would still be there, but we have a place where we can still shoot basketball in the shade. And we put those basketball goals back there, you'd be totally shocked on what happened in that community. Yeah. Uh, every day we would have over 50 some kids in our backyard. You remember those two seven footers I was talking about? Yeah. Every day they was in our backyard and the whole basketball team and the whole football team was back there and you had to have your own team already ready to go and we would play all day long.
every day for the summer. Do you know the very next summer, the ne very next season, we won the state championship in basketball? And it never dawned on me till later on to know that I had something to do with it. And I was like, oh, man, I think we might have been the reason why we won the championship. And I'm sure it was because we played every day of the week except Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those teams, which they already, it would be like certain parts of the city, they would have their own team already. And we play like tournament play all day, every day. And the goals were so sturdy, the seven footers would slam on it and hang on it, and it would not break, and which was crazy. And so even though I wasn't a basketball player, but uh, I played every sport. Uh, for when I played basketball, it felt like a basketball felt like a penny in my hand. When I shoot, it's like shooting a bum and it go over everything, right? So I was best at playing defense. But the, the difference was, is that it was always just one girl out there playing with all the boys. And that was my sister that was older than me. And she was amazing. She was really my hero, my sister. That's crazy, right? Well, lo and behold, my sister averaged over 28 points a game and she never hit less than 28 points. It was either 28 or higher. And I don't know how she did it because it was girls taller and bigger than her, but she played every day with those guys. And I didn't figure it out till later while the guys wanted to hold my sister. And so she was a nice looking girl, but she was really good in basketball, right? And uh, but they wanted to play her because she's nice looking. I thought they just wanted to play because she was a good basketball player. And uh, lo and behold, uh, she ended up getting married to one of the guys that were in the backyard that won, won at the state championship in basketball. And so uh, and that, that, my friend, I believe that was my, my first uh, uh, test. The, and, and, and I didn't know until I looked back because sometimes you have to reflect on, uh, I'm a problem solver by nature, right? Sounds like. Yeah. And so, uh, but I think it was God that was doing it the whole time because uh, I would reflect on my childhood and say, uh, what could have I done better? How could I have improved something, right? And so it, it came through, uh, reflections. And, and so I would challenge myself, how could I make it better? And uh, so uh, my senior year in high school, okay, let me tell you about the Blunson boys, because I can't skip over them, because they were definitely a big influence in my life. So uh, it came down to Kenneth Blunson, he asked, he said, hey, who, who wants to go against the big Blunson guy, right? One second, I'm sorry. Sorry, bro, uh, I'm on a podcast. I'm gonna hit you back, okay? <laughs> All right. Now I sound big time, don't I? <laughs> yeah, let me mute this. Yeah, and so uh, what was I just talking about? about the Blunson boys. Oh yeah, the Blunson boys. So the first one graduated, right, from high school, that which was the seven footer, right? Mm 
Well, he started for Texas A&M four years straight. He came in as a freshman and started for Texas A&M on the highest level you can go in sports. You think that didn't motivate me? So, and believe it or not, I'm less than six foot, not in block. I blocked his shot before. Yeah. And so, uh, and so his brother switched over to his older brother's side, which left the opposite side open. And uh, I took his side. And that was my sophomore year. And, uh, and by the way, I skipped over something. I broke my ankle the first week of practice. So I didn't play that whole year. And you talking about the, the time when Earl told me to do all the running and everything, right? I broke my ankle my, the, during that summer practice. And so I came back my sophomore year and I took that defensive end side and I had the third most tackles on the team that year. And I made all district. And really that was my freshman year because I didn't get, get to play that freshman year. And then the next year, Kenneth left and he went to University of Houston and he started for University of Houston for three years straight. At freshman year, he, he played a lot, but he didn't start. But his sophomore year, he started his sophomore, junior and senior year for University of Houston. And James Rhodes was for six, seven. He went to a, uh, a, a division two school and he started for four years straight at defensive tackle. And so it came my senior year. And my senior year, I said, man, I've had a lot of guys come before me and show me what I need to do. Now it's your last chance, Chuck. What you gonna do? In my head, I was determined to be the best. I was determined to not just prove my coaches, not just my teammates, but every coach in our school district and, and every coach in the state of Texas that there's nobody better than Chuck Amos. And lo and behold, I ended up having the most tackles in the state of Texas my senior year. And I played defensive end and I'm not even six foot. But as a defensive end in 1983, I had the most tackles in the United States of America. Yeah, that's quite Yes, sir. And so uh, as a defensive end, I took a lot of pride in it. And I got recruited by every Division I college in the country. But the problem was I didn't have the GPA to play D1 football. And that hurt me, bro. And so, uh, and so uh, I had offers. I could have played at JUCO's, Warden Junior College. That was pretty big back then. Uh, 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 what is it? It's another, I can't remember the other colleges. They, it was a lot of little junior colleges and uh, D1, D, D2s, D3s were all on. And so, but I was so headstrong that I was gonna play on TV every weekend. I, I just bypassed college. And uh, I went to move to Houston, moved in with my sister and my brother-in-law and shout out to the Holmes family. Uh, I really uh, appreciate everything they did for me. They helped me get my uh, feet up under me and I started bodybuilding and powerlifting. 
In high school, I never benched over 300 pounds. But the moment that I joined this powerlifting company in, uh, I think it's FM 2234, is that in Houston? Uh, there's a lot of country roads out here. Okay, so, well, I went straight from, uh, from benching 290 to benching 400 pounds in less than one month. And I started hitting the iron so hard, bro, because I knew my opportunity was gonna come back. And so, and I wanted to go D1. And then I got into bodybuilding and forgot all about going to college. And uh, then three years later come by and my little brother say, hey, Chuck, I just got a scholarship. I say, really, where? He said, Knoxville, Tennessee. I said, you playing for the Vols? He said, no, I'm playing for the Bulldogs. It's in the same city. I say, man, I can't let you pass me up. I say, I'm coming too. He said, you coming? I say, yeah, I'm coming. Kind of sound like uh, Deion Sanders, right? <laughs> coming with the Louis bag. But uh, he, said, I said, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to walk on the football team. There's no way I'm going to let my little brother pass me up. And my little brother, man, I'm going to tell you, I trained him as well. And uh, you remember when Michael Jordan uh, uh, went on, he retired, right? And most people don't know it, but he started a, his own little team that he was going all around the country playing tournaments. You remember that? You're talking about basketball, correct? Your basketball, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I know that yeah. he retired. It was like 94, 95-ish, and he went and Yeah. And so uh, my, my little brother was playing on the team during the summer in Houston. And he came to, to Houston, and my little brother was covering him. And Michael Jordan, you know, he, he's the big superstar and everything. And but I've been training my my brother and it was like almost like he was my son, but he's really my brother. And Jordan, the very first shot, he tried to come down the court and just shoot a ball. Right. My little brother knocked it all the way back to the other end. bro. He blocked Michael Jordan's shot. Hey, man, I'm just saying how many people blocked Michael Jordan's shot before? He probably shouldn't have done it because he came right back down and slammed on everybody. Yeah, Jordan probably came down and gave everybody. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't want to talk too much about me uh, uh, about sports like that, but uh, I've had a lot of different uh, players that are in the Hall of Fame right now that I've competed against, that I've been friends with over the years. And uh, my senior year in college, I ended up going to Knoxville College in Knoxville, Tennessee, and was a preseason All-American there. Uh, and uh, I played against some of the best players, like you said, Michael Strahan. But the biggest game that I ever played was against a guy named Shannon Sharp, right? Yep. And so I covered Shannon Sharp head-to-head head for three and a half quarters. And he was the number one receiver in the, in the country at the time for a school called Savannah State, Georgia. And Shannon had zero catches for three and a half quarters the whole time I covered him. And so, and I, what, what Shannon did was he showed his hand way too early because he was on ESPN that very week that we were gonna play him, right? And they showed him benching 400 pounds. I said, oh, and he barely benched 400 pounds. I'm 58 years old and I can still bench 400 right now. 
But I knew he could only bench 400. I was benching 400 like 15 times in a row, but I stopped it. And I knew I was getting ready to cover the guy the same week. And I knew what my strategies were. As soon as he showed me that. Remember, the two biggest data points, cardio and strength. We know that if your strength is already stronger than the player that you get ready to play, you have an edge. But if your cardio is better than the person that you're getting ready to do it, we know you're going to be able to do it longer. And I was still at that time running a, a mile under four minutes and 40. Sometime I would get in the 30s, but it was more like four minutes and 40 seconds in a mile at 225 pounds, bro. And so, uh, so uh, for four, for three and a half quarters, I shed Shannon Sharp down, the Hall of Fame Shannon Sharp. He caught zero passes, and uh, the coach changed the defense from a forty-four stack to a base three-four. Now I was on the opposite side. I, I'm, I'm assuming that he figured he had the game locked down, right? But the moment that he changed the defense, he switched to 3-4, and it was a strong safety covering zero to 15 yards. Nobody bumping him off the line of scrimmage or nothing. He just broke out running, and he turned back into Shannon Sharp. We were winning at that time 28-14 to 14 in the middle of the third quarter. That game is over. When he changed the defense, Shannon caught all the balls and all the touchdowns, and we ended up losing. 28 to 35 by the number one team in the country. And I think it's SIAC or NIAC, one of the two. And uh, you talking about hurt me, bro, because I know we were, we were supposed to beat them. But here's the thing you got to understand as, a, as an athlete. So, But I didn't realize I was thinking like a tech person the whole time. I knew that if we beat the number one team in the country, all the sports re reporters are going to, first thing they're going to run to is the word why. Why did the no-name team beat the number one team in the country, right? And the first thing they're going to say is, isn't Shannon on that team? Well, who shed Shannon down? Well, that's when I would have been rushed to the forefront. So it's not just me. It's like that in every game. Who's the gamer? Who's going to be the difference player, difference maker? Who's going to be the one that's going to step up to uh, build the momentum to your defense or to your offense or whatever you're playing? And if everybody is trending in that direction, that's going to be a dangerous team. But I was always that guy that was, I knew that it was something that I had to do to turn everybody on. And so the very next a game that we played, we played against a, a team called North Carolina something, whatever, but it was a guy by the name of Yancey Thigpen. I don't know if you remember that name or not, but he was the number one draft pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he played the Cowboys in Super Bowl 30, and he was the go-to guy for, for the Steelers in Super Bowl 30. He took the Steelers to the Super Bowl. But he was North Carolina, uh, well, what's his name? The guy that uh, does the sports reporting 
uh, on ESPN and everybody hates me always talking loud. Stephen Smith. Stephen A. Smith go to that. He, that's where he graduated from. And so, uh, and I saw the videos of, of their team. And for three games straight, I looked at three different videos. In the very first play, they handed the ball off to uh, uh, that guy through the two hole every time. And I wasn't even posted bliss, bro. But I did the research on what they did for the three games straight. And I just blitzed. <laughs> And went straight through, and they was, and I saw everything going in slow motion. And I hit the kid right in his ear and locked up with him. And the rest was history. The momentum was there from the very first tackle. And if you, when I looked at my team and I saw how excited they got, it even got me more excited. And so, uh, believe it or not, Yancey Thigpen had less than, he had a negative two yards that game. And uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, a shout out to Knoxville College, by the way. And uh, and so uh, we were on the four, 47 yard line with 14 seconds left. And uh, what's the guy's name? He's a field goal. He's a kick. Oh, I can't. His name's escaped me at this point. But he kicked a 47 yard field goal, and we beat the number one team in in the country. And I think it was SIAC. And we was a no, and we played both sides. We played the number one team, which was Savannah State, and then we played the other number one team, which is Yancey Thigpen's team. And we were supposed to beat both of those guys. And so with that, uh, Shannon Sharp's uh, Shannon Sharp's team had my coach understood what analytics were, he would have made better decisions. And now I'm breaking stuff down because it never leaves my mind, right? And so uh, had my coach understood that I was an 80 and Shannon was a 50, right? So I look at athletes as numbers now. That means I'm 30% stronger than Shannon, right? He took the 80 off the 50 and put a 20 on. Now Shannon is 30% stronger. And he caught all the passes and all the touchdowns. So in my system, I'm back to the system now. That's where all my life started coming on. I started coming online, but I really came online when I, uh, it's a good friend I'm, that, that's here in Dallas, Texas, by the name of Tyrone Butler. He's a Lean Six Sigma uh, uh, trainer. Are you familiar with Six Sigma? Uh, no, sir. Okay, Six Sigma is a mathematical methodology that Toyota and Ford uses to build their cars, right? So when there's six sigma out of every million, when there are one sigma out of every million cars, it's over 90% defective, right? But when there's six sigma out of every million cars, it's only 3.4% defective. When he told me that methodology, all my lights came on. I was like, wow, I could use that in sports. I said, has anybody ever used this in sports? He said, no, Chuck, it's only pencil pushers in this game. And, you know, it's only C-suite guys, right? Yeah. And so uh, that's when I started, I started writing like a, like a brainiac. And every, all of my thoughts, I would put them on paper. And I would start documenting everything. And I knew what I wanted to get to. 
So one night my wife and, and I went to my mother-in-law's house and we spent the night and I had a dream, believe it or not. I sound like Martin Luther King, but I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw the picture of the fitness machine, right? I got up in the middle of the night about two o'clock in the morning and drew a picture of it and uh, got back in the bed. Got up the next morning. I said, wow, that's a weird picture. And I said, it kind of looked like a basketball goal. And I looked at it, I said, if I did this and I did that and I welded this and I welded that, yeah, I can make that work. And so I immediately went on social media and I said, free basketball goals. And it was two of them. I went, examined both of them and took the best one. And I went over a friend of mine's house that's a, that's a welder and he does it for a living. And, uh, and so when I pulled up in his front yard, just so happened he was letting up his garage door. I didn't have, even have to knock. And I got out the truck and the first thing he said, he said, Chuck, why do you got the gold on top of your truck? I said, I'm so glad you asked. I said, you see this picture? I want to change that into this. And he said, it doesn't look that hard, Chuck. In uh, less than one hour, we had a working prototype. And we got down to the last part of it. And I said, oh, we need a, we need a, a spring. He said, no, you don't need a spring. I said, what do I need then? He said, you need a hydraulic pump. I said, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Is it going to be fast enough? He said, yeah, it's going to be more than enough time. He said, I got a lot of them in my shack in the back. He went and got a hydraulic pump, tack welded. In less than one hour, we had a working prototype. All right. Now tell me, your, uh, your machine, what exactly does it measure? Like, let's talk about the things that it's uh, measuring and how it does it. Okay, so when you get on my machine in 60 seconds, it measures your cardio, your fitness, your vertical jump, your strength, your lateral movement, your hand-eye coordination, and your head-eye coordination, which is using wearable tech. The score goes up in the cloud, comes down through a portal on an app on your cell phone, and it shows you where you rank in the sports that you play, in the position that you play analytically and organically in numerical order for sports acquisitions in your own inner squad. So like with your, your machine, like what is the goal? Like is the goal to have like one machine at um, each and every spot and then everyone, you know, take down that app? Is it, to, is the goal to have like multiple machines? Like the goal is to have multiple machines and here's why all the data feeds to my database. And so when they feed to my database, uh, we know what to do with the data. So whenever any high school athlete equals or surpasses a college athlete's score, my machine automatically notifies that college on a subscription app. Okay, so the, the, the goal is not only for the machine to be out and about, but it's for everyone, let's say they didn't even have a machine to have that app. So if they don't have the machine, the second goal, the number one goal is to have them in fitness centers. Okay. Right? So the number two goal is for the high schools and the colleges to purchase them. 
right? So if you have it at your at your uh, own facility, you can use it anytime you want. But the thing about it is, in my system, in my system, I had to monetize it. I had to monetize it to survive, right? Yeah. So uh, I said, what's the cheapest thing that I, could, that, that I could charge for high school athletes? And I said, well, the Bible says, your heart is where your money is. If you pay money for it, it's because it's in your heart. If it's not in your heart, you won't pay for it, right? Right. Okay. So now, if you find something that's going to fulfill the desires of your heart, you're going to pay for it. Now, in my machine, when high school athletes get on my machine and their score equals a college athlete score, or surpasses a college athlete score, it notifies that college coach on a subscription app. Does that make sense? And so, so now here's the value though. The key is understanding the value. So if I was to put my machines in fitness centers and the athletes knew by working out on this machine that they could get a scholarship, wouldn't they join the fitness center? Yeah, that would definitely be, you know, one way of looking at it. Well, so it would drive more revenue to those fitness centers. So my first line of offense is to get these machines up and running and leasing them to fitness centers. And so when they lease them to the fitness centers, uh, that's going to drive more revenue to the fitness centers. And that's my goal is to make you better than what you were before Coach Chuck showed up. Well, here's something too, and I imagine you've already thought about this, uh -huh. but this score, so to speak, like it doesn't even have to only apply to uh, prospective college and high school and professional athletes, like uh -huh. or any way that this could filter on into the, just the real world, you know, just with like a That's right. old man like myself and I go to the doctor and I'm like, hey, you know, how am I doing? Hey, 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 I ain't got to that point. I'm going to get to that point, though. How much time do we have left? Oh, man, uh, probably about like 10, 15. Okay, 10, 15 minutes. Okay, so so let me speed up for you because we got over 20 verticals that comes out of this business process. Okay. But, but you got to understand what I understand. At this point in my life, I've already had over 20 years of experience from a child all the way up and not knowing that I was still balling this, I was just rolling this ball down the street and it kept, it kept getting bigger, right? Mentally. And so uh, the first level is, or was to help athletes get scholarships. Now the biggest problem, the biggest problem in sports, in, in uh, high school sports is that no high school player no high school coach knows what they need to do to make a college team until now. Because say uh, my machine is in high schools and my machines are in colleges, my machine are in professional sports. And in my system, whenever any high school athlete equals a college athlete score, it notifies a college coach on a subscription app. Or whenever any high school athlete equals or surpasses a professional athlete score, what does that mean, bro? 
Yeah, it means that that young person needs uh, attention. You need to go take go out there and take a look at them. You know, lay some. Hey, off. we just discovered the next LeBron James. That's what that means. We just discovered the the next uh, uh, Deion Sanders. That's what that means. We see them before anybody using our system. Have you had right? enough to go and and? test this with like uh, the local community maybe like hit hit the uh, hit the local high school right and and right athletes use it and so here's the problem here's the problem here's the biggest problem with that yeah i got two of these yeah and so and uh right here i don't know if you can read right here here's the valuation Oh, scoot it over just a little bit more. Man, that's a big number. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Who goes and show a, a, a platform like that for free? Oh, I don't know. I'm just a teacher. Nobody. So I'm not in the market yet. So I'm I'm still looking to get a investor. That's where I'm at. Okay. I'm a, I'm a startup company that's looking for fundings. And matter of fact, uh, my goal is to help young people reach their goals, just like I needed to help at that time. But the difference is we don't know that we can help you. We know that we can help you. We don't think we can help you. We know we can help you. And so it takes, it removes all the smoke and mirrors for coaches. So what happens when you have a freshman's analytics is already equal a junior or senior in college score? Oh, and the, al the algorithms are on the same pace. Yeah. What is that telling the coach? I need to go see that kid now. <laughs> That's your recruit. Because what that means is we got this varsity level athlete as a freshman for the next four years. So when you know you got the physical athlete, now it's time for the coach to do what they were meant to do. And that's develop athletes. You know you got the right athlete. Now you just got to develop that athlete. But what's happening right now is that there are uh, division one schools are dictating the whole output. Not anymore, because analytics has showed me that coaches do not know how to recruit. So imagine this, imagine this, and it ain't imagination, it's facts. There's only thousands of colleges and universities over the United States of America. There's millions of high schools all over America. Division one schools are going to six, eight championship games and using up all their scholarship money and voiding out 5A, 4A, 3A, 2A, and uh, eight-man football, sports. They're voiding them out. I'm like, hold up, bro. My system is a smart system, right? We can go inside of a team that went 0-10 and see the superstars on those teams. But in colleges, they're assuming because of their win-loss record, there's no athletes there, so they go on to the next place, right? 
It's so many superstars that sitting on the corners, just looking in the sky, eating hamburgers, bro, and doing nothing because coaches don't know how to recruit. Facts. You had mentioned like you're looking for investors. Like, what is it yes. that you're looking for? And what would that ideal uh, investor, you know, what uh, would they do? What could they bring to the table to help you bring this dream along? So, only thing I need from them is money. And so, once I have the revenue of what I need, uh, which I, I won't disclose on, on this airway, yeah. But, but once we do that, the game is completely over. You know why? Here's what drives my machine is motivation. Number one, when an athlete know that like a hundred yard dash, we know when you're the best, when you run the fastest, right? In my system, we know when you're the best, when you have the highest score. Now, just because you are, you're strong, does that make you the best athlete? Nope. Just because you jump the highest, does that make you the best athlete? Nope. Just because you have the, the, uh, the best lateral movement, does that make you be the best athlete? Because you catch the best. Because you run the fastest. No. What makes you the best is all of those nucleuses together. And that's what my machine does. It measures all of it together and put it into a number. And we put it out into the world and we can see who those athletes are in real time analytically. And the good thing about it is, I know my biggest competitor is a company called Peloton. And I know why Peloton went out of business. I'm not gonna say it on over the air, but I still can repair Peloton. But Peloton, you know, when people make money, the spirit of pride comes out, right? Uh, no, there's no way a black guy could come save us. Oh, really? Peloton, if you're listening, <laughs> you rather take an L or you rather take a, a win? If you want to win, call me because I know exactly why you're going out of business. Because you're the reason why my my machine has been valued at what it is, and you're not getting the big picture. The biggest problem in sports tech and sports technology is that all the technology people never played sports before. That's Peloton's problem. Had they had a coach or a more than likely just a regular athlete, an athlete would see the flaws just like that. And that's what happened. Peloton, I will say this, Peloton platform is a great platform, but they took that platform with the premise that cyclists is gonna ride it all year round. Nope, they're just gonna ride it during cycling season, right? 99.99% of the athletes in the world are young people. When the season is open over in any sport, those athletes go on to the next sport. And those are the very athletes that was uh, uh, making Peloton's platform as strong as it is. Strong as it is. But if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your foundation is not strong, you become weak. Well, the athletes left to the next season. 
What they should have done was aggregated their system to whereas it could work in all sports and give that same value in, in Latour de France in basketball, football, baseball, soccer, tennis, rugby. But they overlooked that because they're not athletes. They're only tech people. So the key is, is to know how to make it work for all sports, not just what you're great at, which is cycling, which is what I've done. So in my system, there are 22 inch monitors on my machines that stream from machine to machine. And in my system, when you, you, have, to, you have to challenge two people every week. And that's during the season. But out of the season, when your your season is over, you got to challenge four people a week to stay to stay crisp. Does that make sense? Okay. And the sixty second challenge is doing a workout for sixty seconds. And there's a twenty two inch monitor that's on my machine that streams and is going to show the other athlete while you're working out, and that other athlete can see you from anywhere in the world. Right? Yeah. And whoever wins is going to show up on their subscription app on who won that won that workout program. All right, that sounds like a really uh, novel idea. And I tell you, would be really nice is if you know you could plug in the right people, right? Let's say like uh, LeBron signs on, and you get to challenge LeBron or buy, you know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. Hey, check this out. Just to give you what uh, I have a system that's called the LeBron James effect, right? And you said the names because now we're on the same page because you're saying the same thing that I'm saying and you don't even know what I'm doing, right? So uh, it's called the LeBron James effect, right? What if LeBron James' highest score was an 80? And I went into uh, the NCAAs and even in high school and I only, recru I only recruited 17, let's say 25 guys, right? And I bring them to my own combine, and I know all these guys are LeBron James height or taller. And uh, I bring them in the combine, and I take the top 17 guys. I get the best available coach, right? And our first game is against the Lakers, right? We look across the court, and we see that the Lakers only have 180 point, and we got 17. Who do you think has the advantage? They have this one thing on, in basketball that's called work overload. I think that's what it was. It started last year. You remember that? I think it's a new uh, analytic. Exactly. So basically what came out of that work overload was uh, what is it? Why is it that, uh, oh, you can't take the starting guys out of the game? And the coaches came back and said the response was, because they're afraid of the talent drop-off. You remember that? Okay, so my question is, okay, coach, if you're afraid of the talent drop-off, who recruited the athletes? Yeah, you, you did. did. You did. So that's what they were, they were trying to pour the, the, the reason why they're losing onto the players. But the reason why you're losing, number one, is recruiting, Number two, strength and conditioning. And number three, standards of your team. If you don't know the standard of your team, you already lost the game. 
but the ones that do know the standard of their team. Okay, here's check this out. Let's, here's the LeBron James effect. The LA Lakers got only one data point that's an 80, and that's LeBron himself. And I got 17 guys that's LeBron James height or taller, right? And uh, when I look at athletes, I look at numbers. And I know that it's, uh, they have four quarters, right? Yes, so every fourth of a quarter, no, every third of a quarter, I switch five players out and put a new five players in, right? And we run a full court press for the first time in NBA history on a team. The reason why they can't do that is because they don't have the quality of the players like that. But when I run it like that, the players are going to be mad because I took them out of the game, right? Why? Because we need to keep your stamina up for hundreds of games during that season, right? So they're mad because they came out so quickly. I'm keeping them hydrated. I'm keeping them at 100% the whole game. And so, but in a regular team like the NBA players, there's no way that they can handle that regimen because they don't have that standard of players. So if we got 17 guys that's an 80 and above and they have only one, who has the advantage? Uh, you. You do. That's my point. Now, I can take any junior college, any HBCU, any uh, D3, any D2, any D1AA, and recruit for them in one season of recruiting if I'm up and running in this country. And it'll level the playing field with D1 colleges. What would happen? What would happen if a junior college beat Alabama? So here's the difference because I know we run out of time, right? So here's the difference with my system. Coaches no longer fly all over the country to go recruit athletes. They can go straight to their computer and recruit comprehensively 1,000% better than they ever had in times past because they're not looking at videos. They're looking at analytic fitness equations. Does that make sense? Makes all the sense in the world, crystal clear. So there's no reason for any team to not be competitive using my system. I need a little help and my cash app. Oh, I forgot my cash app, but I'll put it on the link. I'll put it on the link below. And so here's the deal. Here's what I'm making. My goal is to help single parents all over this country with children. I mean, you gotta be a single parent with a child. If you so, but one thing that I know is that athletes have the aspiration to play in the biggest game. So in our system, here's what I'm gonna close out with. My system is set up for motivation, right? Here's the motivation. When those athletes work out on my machine, the score goes up in the cloud, right? Now I have the capability to download that score into avatars in a video game where you can play yourself in the video game. For the first time ever, 
as yourself, you can implement yourself into an Alabama versus LSU game and see how you would respond, what your, what your analytics would be in a real game playing yourself. So imagine this. I got two things I'm going to tell you that's real value. So uh, imagine you playing yourself in the Alabama, Alabama versus LSU in the position that you play. And let's say you're running back. And all the LSU and Alabama downloaded their analytics into this game, right? And you ran for over 150 yards. I'm telling you, there is a high probability that you could do it in reality. Because these scores that's downloaded in these video games are organically real. And so to take that data, whenever any high school athlete does that well in a video game, we notify those colleges in real time. Does that make sense? I think it's a genius idea too, because now you're partnering with the video games and uh, you know these video game corporations are always trying to find a way to like make things more real and lifelike, like the creative player, right? Like This is true. This is probably exactly the reason like the creative player was created a to do one like myself and then mm-hmm. B to do one like Victor Wimbanyama, right? The seven foot four, you know, but you can have the extreme of that, but then you could also have like, what would I do out there? Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's the premise of this whole thing. So in this segment in my system is called, if you can't beat them, join them. So when I grew up as a kid, every summer, it was all about sports. We were playing baseball, football, basketball. In my system, I got two kids that uh, stay in my household with the number one boy and the number one girl in the greater DFW in tennis here in Dallas, Texas. The United States Tennis Association sent us a letter in the mail saying that my kids can no longer play on a nine and 10 year old level. They had to move up to the 12 and 13 year old level. They got moved up to the 12 and 13 year old level. And here's the deal. They're the only ones that were using this machine on a daily basis, right? And so uh, they, whenever you win a major tournament on the 12 and 13 year old level, you automatically qualify for the U.S. Open in New York, right? Well, my son and my daughter beat all the top 12 and 13-year-old players here in Dallas, Texas, in a part of town called South Lake, Texas. Yep, exactly. They beat them when they were 9 and 10, brother. And all the parents would come and ask me, hey, Coach Chuck. I was like, yes, sir. The question, the biggest question was, I was just noticing uh, it's something different about your kids. Not, not just because they're, they're so quick and they're so strong, but I noticed that they, they don't sweat. <laughs> I said, well, that's because of the nutritional factors that comes into play. It's because of uh, how you train. And so I train my kids in tennis in the hottest time of the day every day. So the sun was on their side. It was an opposing factor. And so the biggest games will always be in the hottest time of the day. 
if you don't make friends <laughs> with the son, it's always going to be working as your enemy. And so that's what happened. So they weren't intimidated by the son at the end of the day. And my both my my son and my my son was nine and my daughter was ten, and the guy we had to go back to South Lake and put in an application to say uh, that we're confirming that we accept this challenge, right? And the guy comes out. He he says, uh, Coach Chuck. I say, Yeah, I'm right here. He said, uh, All your paperwork looks good, but it got a couple of typos. I'm like, What's the typo? It says here your son and daughter are only nine and ten. I said, there's no typo, they are nine and 10. He said, this is a 12 and 13 year old league. I say, I know it's a 12 and 13 year old league. And I brought the paperwork and I said, the United States Tennis Association said that we had to move up to the 12 and 13 year old level. We moved up to the 12 and 13 year old level. And they said, we couldn't fly on the airplane because they're too young to be chaperoned. Of course, you know, I had to go to battle. And it got down to the bottom line was it said, hey, it would be wrong if I didn't let one of your kids go to the US Open. So we're gonna take the oldest person. I say, brother, it would be wrong to let neither one of them go because they both won. If you can have that much sense to know that the winner should go, why are you stopping my son from going? And so, because we got got her in and I was tired of arguing with the guy, I let my daughter go. But here's the thing, because knowledge, uh, the lack of knowledge is the fall of, of anything, right? If you don't know better, you ain't gonna do better. But if you know better, you do better. So. Not only did that break my daughter's heart, but it broke my son's heart too. Because they did everything they needed to do to be successful. And the moment they got to the pinnacle, they got knocked right down. And my daughter played in the US Open in the junior side. She won three matches, but the girl came out crying on the court. You can't win and cry at the same time. And I look over at my my son, my son was crying too because he's looking at the kid that he beat out on the court. And uh, my wife's crying because the kids are crying. And so we get back to Texas and my kids say that they don't want to play tennis anymore. And why? Because of the process in the United States Tennis Association process. They dropped the ball. And I'm telling you right now, Lean 7 Fitness Draft Day Technology is the payoff. All right. Well, hey, uh, we'll get to the end of the podcast. Uh, you got any last minute shout outs you want to direct? Yeah. To your website? Number one, number one, uh, uh, you can definitely help me with Cash App to help me finish building this process. And all of those parents, especially if you're single parents and uh, your kids play sports, and even if you're not a single parent, uh, you can. My cash app number is my phone number, which is 972 890 6249. Everybody that donates $25 or $50 or more, 
you will get a $50, you'll get half price for a whole year. And for $25 and you're a single parent, you'll get half price for the whole year. $25 and $50. My number is nine. My uh, cash app is 972-890-6249. And you'll see Coach Chuck, Chuck Amos. And we can get this thing rock and rolling. The only reason that I'm not there now is because of the fundings. And I know, yes, I'm flying below the radar and I've been doing it on purpose for personal reasons. And now I'm ready to get out there and I'm protecting my IP, even though I do have United States patents. But when you get into this game, you gotta understand how it's played. Sharks, when you say uh, <laughs> shark tank, it's not because it's a nice thing. It's because those sharks will eat you up. And so if you don't know how to play, you have to stay below the radar. And I don't know how to play that good, so I'm staying below the radar. Everybody says, you should go on Shark Tank. Well, Shark Tank is shown all over the world, and I only have United States patents. So uh, help me help you and your children win at the end and get these scholarships going on whatever sports level that you're on. We can make those adjustments and help your son and your daughter reach their goals. Hey, thank you, Chris. It was nice talking to you. That was really nice talking to you. I appreciate you dropping by the Be Simple podcast. And it'll be really neat to see when this uh, this dream comes to fruition. And then it's an app that's on every single young athlete's phone. And Nick Saban will be looking at his app and saying, hey, there goes a 90 over there in the DFW. Let's go take a trip down there. Hey, I got a question when everybody says it's a dream, right? Mm. Is it a dream when you got these? No, that's proof in the pudding. That's reality, bro. And so basically when you have patents, you have designs. I have the designs. I need money to bring this to reality. So help me help you. Uh, and my website is www.lean7fitness.com. And it's the number seven. All right. Well, you have a blessed one. Thank you all for listening, everyone. Uh, y'all go out there and y'all go be that someone. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks, Chris. You have a great day. Woo! Woo! Look, lean seven, lean seven fitness. If you're looking to perform at the highest level, the highest level, I suggest you get with the program. I think I'm headed to the lead. And loud is my wit. They ask him how you gon' do it. With lean seven fitness. Lean seven. Woo! Lean 7 Fitness, draft their technology, Lean 7 Fitness, I'm headed to the lead, and loud is my wit, they asking how you gon' do it, with Lean 7 Fitness, Lean 7 who? Lean 7 Fitness, draft their technology, Lean 7 Fitness, running on the treadmill's a thing of the past, Lean 7 Fitness got me feeling like the flash, got me ready for the combine, 40 yard dash, pro scouts looking like coach, who is that, with Lean 7 Fitness, they can pull up a stats They know that I'm the truth because the proof is where it's at Got my burp game looking like a rocket launched off In a few years, I'll be at the rocket's tip off Thanks to Lean 7 Fit, I'm a beast now Got so much strength, homeboy, I can lend out Come get some, ha. Put you at a level you ain't never seen Ever been eye level with the rim king? Look, exercise ain't never been this motivating But when you seeing change, that's when you get motivated Lean 7 Fit Got your bar dedicated, and with this draft, they technology, I'm ready to make it.
and loud is my wit. They asking how you gon' do it with Lean Seven Fitness. Lean Seven, who? Lean Seven Fitness. Draft a technology. Lean Seven Fitness. I'm headed to the league, and loud is my wit. They asking how you gon' do it with Lean Seven Fitness. Lean Seven, who? Lean Seven Fitness. Draft a technology. Lean Seven Fitness.